Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3. And in verse 1 starting the Bible says this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves we certainly see that whenever I read this today it's like stately obvious lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy without natural affection truce breakers false accusers continent fierce despisers of those that are good traitors heady high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God I mean it, you just can't be more just this is just obvious obvious Amen. Mark 12 and verse 30. The Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Amen. This morning, I want to just teach a little bit today. I want to teach along this line. Love God amid idolatrous times love God amid idolatrous times or we could probably just even simplify it to love God amid the times we're living (laughs) because it is so obvious today that some of those things mentioned in 2nd Timothy are things that are taking place amen today in our world amen and so what that tells us is this that we are as we stated several times we are living in the in the last days the last days amen and I emphasize again, ever since Christ ascended, then there is the possibility of him coming back to get his church. So we are living in the last days. But the, here is the glorious thing. While no individual is predestined, the church is. While no individual is predestined, either for, for doom, success, or failure, the church is predestined for success. And so it's important to be a part of the church because if you are, you're a part of something that's already predestined for glory. Amen. And so I want to be a part of the church. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I'm grateful, Lord, for being here. I pray, Lord, you touch our minds, hearts, and souls today. God, as we look at the scriptures and the word of God, Lord, let them become alive to us. Strengthen us today, God, through your word. God, I know, Lord Jesus, you'll help us, Lord, in the next few moments, God, to see the life, God, that are, Lord, embedded in these scriptures. In the lovely name of Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Amen. So I I know that we're probably going to state some obvious things this morning. uh, And so I'm not I'm not trying to uh, curse or in any way. uh, I'm trying to find the exact word I'm looking for and it's not there. I hate when that happens, but I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. There it is. I I knew it would come. We just got to give it this thing as you know some of you 
as it gets older, it just got to be oiled every once in a while. Amen. I'm not here to insult your intelligence. Amen. Might state the obvious, so don't be a smart aleck with me. Kind of like that guy that was a, a truck driver, uh, Brother Tyler, and he wasn't really paying attention to the clearance of the overpass, and he got stuck underneath the overpass. And uh, a police officer came up to him, just kind of stated the obvious. He says, uh, what happened? You get stuck under the overpass? And the remark of the trucker said, no, I was just delivering this thing and ran out of gas. I tell you what, you all need drinking just one more pot of coffee before you come here on Sunday mornings. You go keep up with me. I'm telling you right now. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm not here to insult you, and so don't be a, a smart aleck to me. Amen. In return. Hallelujah. When where we consider, you look at those passages of Scripture, lovers of their own selves, that's the generation that we live in. We, we are the millennials is what they speak of, uh, are the, the selfie generation. It's the selfie generation. Uh, not just with the concept that, that they uh, take pictures of themselves and post them on every uh, available social media network. As a matter of fact, I just heard of a, a lady this week. I kind of read a story. She's talking about she was in a store and uh, a girl and some of her girlfriends were taking selfies of themselves in front of a mannequin or whatever. And she just even offered to take the picture for them and they wouldn't allow it. And that's just how independent we have come. Uh, just even just to take our own picture because the selfie the selfie generation you can and you can you know share it on several 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 media areas and and, and millennials for that matter uh, millennials is the first generation to never have to adapt to the internet because it's always been a part of their life always been a part of their life and so with that has come uh, the dynamics of being a self generation as a matter of fact uh, those of that generation from things that I have read uh, they, there are more independents concerning even politics, not being a Democratic or a Republican. Uh, they, are, they are more so to be independents because, again, that self-reflects their, their self-mentality. They are also of the persuasion to be, have no affiliation with any type of uh, religion or cult for that matter. Uh, not to stamp any label on them because, again, it is just a self-reflection of, of themselves, themselves, themselves. Uh, the United States Vice President Joe, Joe Biden uh, defended uh, the recognition several years ago in 2012 uh, of the homosexual unions as a marriage during a presidential campaign then. And with this question, this is what he defended it with, he said, who do you love? Now, he really borrowed that from a title of a rock and roll song written and recorded in 1956 by Bo Diddley. But he, he got this whole agenda and just did it with this question, uh, who do you love? And that seems like a very pleasant sounding question. You know, who do you love? And the media, of course, got a hold of it and used it as a defense uh, with, with what was going on in America then and still going on in America now. And they thought maybe perhaps by just interjecting the idea of love into the debate, into the equation, you know, that they would bring some clarity, if you will, for the nation and clarity for the people. But the reality of the matter is this. Love or affection that is within itself is not neither pure nor virtuous. Love within itself, because we have the ability to love certain things, other things, a variety of things. And so love does not make us pure or someone else that is being loved pure. Amen. Because you can love, it's the object of your love that gives purity, if you will. 
amen, to the love. And so uh, when we understand this, you just can't say, well, who do you love? And, and then whatever then that you have a love or affection for, then all that's fine and grand because you are expressing love for that or for affection for that. But that is not the way it is. We'll come to find out today that more than likely, whatever it is that you love is what you will worship. Whatever you love is what you worship. And there is a deep-seated need inside of mankind to worship, or might just as simply say, to love. Amen. Uh, we are all created with this propensity to worship something. And so the real crux of the matter is in what we worship or in what we love. I remember this story from several, several years ago. They talked about uh, the Mississippi River, I think somewhere around Vicksburg, if that's correct, the town Mississippi, that they were wanting to dam up the Mississippi River. They were wanting to stop its flow. But whenever engineers and stuff started to do the, uh, the math and the study, the Mississippi is just so massive, and its, its power really as being a river is so intense that they said, you know, in reality, you're, you're just not going to be able to dam up the Mississippi River. The only thing that you're going to be able to do is divert its channel. You ain't going to be able to dam it up. It's too powerful. You're just going to have to divert its channel. And so likewise, it is with worship or love that we have deeply seated within our lives. You're, you can't dam it up. It's although you're, you can't say you're not going to love or you're not going to worship. The fact of the matter is it's a force too strong and too great for it to be stopped. The only thing that can happen is for the channel, if you will, of love and the channel of worship to be diverted. And so that's the reason why that we, as Mark did in his gospel, uh, emphasizes that we should love the Lord our God. If, if, if you're having a problem knowing where to direct it, Mark says, let me give you a little advice. Love the Lord because you're not going to go through life without loving. And you're not going to go through life without worshiping. But he says, let me pose for you what should be the object of your love and the object of your worship. And that's the reason why it is very dangerous to not worship the Lord. Because if we are not worshiping the Lord and not loving God, we are worshiping and we are loving something. Amen. We are loving and we are worshiping something. We are, we are loving and worshiping either God or we are loving and worshiping an idol and I know when we use the term idol everybody's mind goes to some some Buddha some some God of wood or stone some image if you will but idols I know that might be the concept of an idol more so uh, in the Old Testament times but we have our idols today as well they may not be uh, gods of wood and stone that's been carved out of wood or cast, if you will, out of some type of metal, but we have our idols as well today. For instance, some of the idols that modern day has is material possessions. Amen. That sometimes comes as an idol into some people's life is the possessions they have. You know, it's their yacht, their boat, it's their house, it's their car. Uh, they can become idols unto us. We have our idols. They are, they are other humans. We have human stars that we literally, beyond just, you know, have an affection for because they're just so great at what they do, but people even come to a place 
of idolizing them, you know, mimicking their, their pattern of life after them, their, their dress, their talk, the way that they would fold their legs. I'm telling you the truth. And so he idolized them. And then even personalities. But here is what really gets is some people idolize themselves. Amen, self. As a matter of fact, it seems to be the way in which the pattern and the process goes. That if a man has possessions and he has amassed these possessions and that, that becomes an idol to him, it isn't long that the, 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 the reverence that he has for what he has, then he places upon himself because he thinks by his own hand he has got those things. And so he begins to idolize himself. The Bible says in Second Chronicles 13 and verse number 14, it gives us a little solution about uh, the days that we are living in, I believe, through this particular story. Because we are in the midst of a self-generation. We are in the midst of an idolizing generation. We are in the midst when we people have human stars and they are lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. And what Timothy also said, I think, hits the nail on the head probably more certainly, amen, maybe even than being lovers of ourselves, is that they're lovers of pleasure. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. In other words, lovers of pleasure that will give, what does pleasure do? It gives gratification to who? To you. Gives gratification to you. If it makes you feel good about yourself, it gets your endorphins operating where there is a sense of happiness, a sense of joy that you're experiencing and that hits all your right buttons and, and, and just throws the light, right levers in your body, then you, you become a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. And whenever that happens, see folks, what happens then when we start loving pleasure more than God, then we'll start worshiping that which we love. Amen. And so I think this kind of gives the scenario of where we are in 2 Chronicles 13 and 14. The Bible states these words. It says, and, and, and when Judah looked back, said, behold, the battle was before and behind. Now look what Judah says. We find ourselves in the midst of a battle here. We are surrounded before and behind. We are in the midst of warfare. And look at the response of Judah. And they cried unto the Lord. And the priest sounded with the trumpets. Look at verse number 15. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. Judah found themselves where they were surrounded with warfare. They were surrounded, if you will, by the enemy. It was not a very enviable spot to be put in. But I think it's important to see the response to what was happening around them. What was taking place among them. They said, we see that we're in the middle of the battle. It's before us. It's behind us. And our first response then is, we need to cry unto the Lord. And there is no better response today than the response that Judah had then. That as the Bible says, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. But Christ said, I'm not going to take you out of the world. Because I need you to be a witness and a testimony inside of the world. And so our only, if you will, our only option then to, 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 to function is this. While it's all around us, because he set us in this, that our response should be the response as them in that battle. We must cry. Our cry must be unto the Lord. Our cry must be in the Lord. And not only that. I believe just as the priests then sold the pastors and ministry uh, leaders now, they need to sound the trumpet. 
The signaling of the trumpet was for a gathering. It's according to how the trumpet was sounded, whether it was just for an assembly or whether it was for war. I believe it's time, I believe it's time that the children of God let their cry be directed where it needs to be directed and that is unto the Lord and that ministry leaders need to sound the trumpet, yes, for an assembly, but more importantly, for war. You're not gonna win this battle with your hands stuck in your pockets, not gonna win this battle with the sword and the shield just planted upon the wall. We are in the middle of warfare, folks. One of the things that we have been called through scripture is a soldier, and it is not just for the purpose of using just the term because it's there. It's because Christ knew that in the latter days we were be involved in warfare it's all around us but our cry must be directed to the Lord and we must give ourselves, if you will to the battle the Bible says Judah shouted and when she did that there were the, 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 the results were this that they were victorious and they smote the Bible says that of Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah now we're not we're not smiting other individuals so to speak but we are smiting the spirits that are behind the times that we are living in. Amen. We are smiting the spirits behind the times that we are living in. Amen. Brother McGee, you say idle. I say, come on, really? Again, one definition of an idol is anything that receives the worship and veneration belonging to God alone. I've always stated an idol is this. This is my most basic definition I could ever give. An idol is anything that becomes between you and your God. Between you and your God. If you choose an activity, listen to me. Please, I don't want to have to back up and just reaffirm, you know, just qualify everything I'm saying. You're saying we can't go on vacation. I'm not saying. Are you, are you hearing me? I'm talking about whenever you do something on a regular basis that it becomes a lifestyle. You understand? So before someone starts pinning the tail on the donkey of somebody, that is, that's not me. Uh, everybody needs time away. You need to go on vacation. If there's certain things that you regularly do annually, you need to go do those things. That's fine and grand. But whenever we choose something on a regular basis, weekly basis sometimes, service by surface basis over God, that thing has become your idol. Amen. It, it can be as simple. It can, it, it can be simple as an activity. Or it can be uh, even as, as complex as another individual. Well, whenever, whenever it becomes between us and God, whenever it hurts our relationship with God, it is receiving the love and the worship more so than your God is. And so anything that comes into that, that place then you are, you, are, you are qualifying to be more so a God to you than what God is to you. Right. Amen. amen. Yes. Someone say amen. amen. Come on. As, a, as a child growing up, there were certain things that uh, my parents laid down that uh, we wouldn't be involved in, not because the thing itself was wrong, not because the thing itself had, had any problem with it whatsoever. Just because that thing, uh, it would seem, practices or other things would take place that would take you out of church. 
take you out of church on a regular basis. And we weren't having any of that. Not only that, I don't know if God really smiles upon that, and I don't think he does. Because in doing so, we're placing then that with a greater importance to say, well, it's just for a season. Well, you know what happens with the world when one season ends for one thing, another season begins. And again, nothing wrong with the activity, but it's what is it doing? Is it, say if it was on another night, it might be absolutely fine and dandy. But if it's doing something where it's making you be in competition, God in competition for your attention and your service, then, then, then it has become an idol. It might not be made of silver or gold, but it has become between you and God. It's receiving worship. It's receiving veneration that should belong to God. Amen. Something that's called narcissism, love of self, is on high. In Greek mythology, Narcissus was a beautiful youth who fell in love with his reflection. And so then narcissism is in our age. It's an excessive interest in oneself. And without proper discipline, listen, I know we need a lot. You know, we have, in society today, we have taken what some have said to the whole opposite end of the spectrum. I understand you have to have a certain sense of self-love, self-esteem, self-confidence. I understand that. But you can go to the opposite end of the spectrum and, and overcorrect with that to the place you become nothing but it's all about me. There, we've lost balance today. We've lost balance. Uh, we talk about self-respect. All of that is an evil. All of that is necessary. It has its proper place. But if you delve too deeply into that without proper balance, then you have become nothing more but a, a God unto yourself. And then it's all about me. You know, uh, today we have greater uh, ability to, to get online and find books about do-it-yourself. Do-it-yourself. And the old-timers had to do it themselves because they didn't have the money to get anybody else to do it. But today you can just do it yourself And it's just a way to save money a way, I don't know if it's a sense of accomplishment or what Do it yourself And so we got so much into the do it yourself type of society and age That we, when it comes to God It's just like do it yourself yeah. You know what I'm saying right. It's like when, when you know I do everything else myself Fix my own car you know, Take care of my own plumbing you know, I've done this and I've done that and do that And so on and so forth Then we again without balance get to a place Then there's no reason I need a God in my life Because I can handle things myself Yet, on the contrary, something that always interests me, everybody that can do everything themselves, the moment that something arises that's a little bit outside of their reach, look to where the first place they call the church. I've never had anybody call me and say, I tell you what, things are just going so well right now, I need you to tell me how I need to handle all this. But I can tell you, I've had several people call me and say, Brother, say, I know I haven't been in church in a while. But such and such is sick, and they might be getting a bad diagnosis. Is it not good to reason that if you are serving or made something the idol that can't help you in every circumstance, that perhaps you need to change your allegiance to the one that can, and that should be the one where your love is directed and your worship goes? Someone help me here today. Amen? Because our God is not a, 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 a fare thee well type of God or just a, a fair weather type of God. 
He's the type of God that even when things are down to the brass tacks and it's not good and it's not looking hopeful, that he's going to rise to the occasion. Amen. That's the type of God that I want. Amen. The, result, the, the realness of the thing is my flesh likes attention. Guess what? Yours does too. The people that are meek and, and receive the compliment, they say, oh, you're just too kind. Let me tell you something. They enjoyed what was said about them. You hear me? It's part of human nature. The flesh seeks for attention. But when unbalanced, it can go to self-love. It can go to self-love. Paul knew well what he was saying, that there was a war in his members. The spirit against the flesh. And the flesh against the spirit. Because the spirit is trying to give that attention to God. The flesh wants all of that attention for itself. Amen. And so here's the thing. Whenever, whenever God becomes dethroned in your life, the throne will not stay vacant long. Will not stay vacant long. There is a void that needs to be filled. The Bible speaks that, for instance, uh, whenever the man had the unclean spirits and those spirits were cast out of that man. Amen. The Bible says that the spirit went searching for another place. Look where that spirit went. It returned to the place that it went from. And it seemed that it had been swept, right? Remember? Swept. But the thing was, there was still the void there. And so it re-inhabited the void that was there. Void, I'm telling you, in the life of individual, there is a, a void that is there. And if it's not filled with the right spirit, it's going to be filled with some type of spirit. Amen. And so it will not stay vacant long. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, a certain degree of the whole pitfall of man in the book of Genesis all came from, the original sin came from a love to a certain degree of self. The Bible says in Genesis 3 and verse number 6, I'm turning there, Genesis 3 and 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, now who was that going to benefit? And that it was pleasant to the eyes pleasing to her and a tree to be desired to make one wise who is this again benefiting she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat so a lot a lot of the original sin that we speak about was really springboarded from a love for self but see God's culture God's dynamics works contradictory to that because to please God to please God selflessness has to replace selfishness to please God the Bible told us that whenever Jesus in the New Testament was speaking to his disciples what was what was the ultimatum that he gave to them he said if any man will come after me let him deny himself Christ could have said a multitude of things after that if any man will come after me there's a multitude of things that he could have filled in right there there are other things I think that are, 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 are along with denying self that could be grouped in that but he goes straight for the juggler 
He goes straight for the juggler. If any man is to follow me, he must deny himself because he knows the tendency of humanity to want it all to be about them. And he says, I cannot operate and you'll not follow the way you need to follow if you're trying to follow me and it all will be about you because there's going to be some things in this walk with God that's going to deny you, not feel pleasant to you, kind of rub you wrong. But this relationship isn't about you feeling right or feeling well or your emotions being petted. This relationship is about being pleasing to the one that whenever the trump sounds and the days are over that you can be raptured up out of the calamity of the world that you're living in. It's all about whether or not you want to be comforted now and tormented later or go through a little torment now and be comforted later. What? It don't feel good. I want to feel good about this. Well, honey, you can feel good now or feel bad for the rest of eternity. It's all according to what you're willing to do now. Amen. And so, again, Scripture says they're lovers of their own selves. That's, that's gratification for our flesh. Amen. Loving pleasures, it says, more than loving God. What can happen... And has happened in the scripture, what can happen is, and Satan did this in the very beginning in Genesis as well, people can start to disown, discredit, and second guess the order that God has established in our lives. We read throughout the Genesis account, and we know very well God is a God of order. God is a God of order. Things that are happen on certain days, so on and so forth. He he brought he brought the trees into existence and all that, and the vegetation and the plants before he ever brought man into the picture. Man's going to be dependent upon this carbon dioxide oxygen thing that happens with the vegetation. So so he's a god of order with great purpose. He set certain things up as he did, and in the beginning, God stated plainly that he had an order for humankind, an order even for humanity. But whenever the serpent drew nigh unto Eve, uh, uh, he took God took man's attention away from God's order by questioning. He had that question. He said, "Hath God said you shall not eat of every tree?" God had set an order. Everything you can have except the tree in the midst, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God had set that in perfect order according to his plan. But the serpent comes in and wants mankind to question the order of God. To question the order of God. And so whenever that happened then, this disrespect for God's order eventually turned into, if you will, an outright hatred almost for God's order. And as a result of that, when this happens, then we start taking our own life. Self replaces God. Self replaces God. We have no respect for his order. We have no respect for his will. We have no respect for his ways. Amen. We cannot love. Here's the thing. You can't love God and yourself at the same time. I'm not saying that you can't have a good confidence about it. No, I'm just saying you cannot love God and yourself at the same time. Here's what happened. If I am a lover of self to a detriment, to an overkill, if I'm a lover of self, here's what happens. Because when I do that, I'm very carnal. When I do that, I'm very carnal. And listen, a carnal individual in carnality is going to try to snuff out 
anything that encourages righteousness or like living. Bible says a carnal mind is enmity against God. A carnal mind is an enemy of God. So living a life that is carnal in carnality, rest assured, anything that's going to be beneficial to being God-gratifying more than self-gratifying, your carnal spirit is going to try to snuff out. It will give you every excuse under the book why not to. You hear me today? This is the reason. Listen, for, for people that's suffering uh, and going through times that they're addicted to things, let me tell you, it's not going to be easy. And I'll tell you why it's not going to be easy. Because that aspect of your life, your carnal man does not want to eject or evict. not going to be easy amen in that respect but we got to give ourselves over to the things of the spirit the things that are pleasing to God amen because our carnality is not going to raise its hand for any vote concerning righteousness and godliness and holiness and right living any of that it is not going to say yeah go on you're doing a good job forget it it's all about itself it's all about what it wants and what it desires that's the reason the most miserable Christian there ever is is one that's trying to be a Christian but living a carnal life Amen. But the antidote for these things, the antidote for self-love, the antidote for loving self more than loving God is very simple. Antidote, it comes from a Greek term. The word antidote does. It means given against. Amen. You know, they give uh, antidotes for someone that had poison or venom of a snake. You need an antidote that can be given against the effect, if you will, of the poison or the venom of the snake. And here's the thing. In a sense, a poison is only as effective as the ineffectiveness of the antidote. You hear me? A poison is only as effective as the ineffectiveness of its antidote. The antidote for idolatry is to love God. I know that's very basic. I'm not here to try to tread in deep waters this morning. The, 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 the antidote for idolatry is the love of God. He said, love him. What did Mark say? With all of thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, I think with great purpose, Mark encompasses all these different areas. Rather than, for instance, just saying, if we'll just love the Lord with all of our mind. Because I think some people's got that one down. Mm -hmm. They love the Lord with all of their mind. Mm -hmm. They love him with all of, their, all of their, their knowledge. They have a knowledge of God. I've had people that can talk to me about God. Oh, my goodness. Seven days a week. If I'm ever around them, that's going to be the topic. Talking about God. Talking about what's necessary to live for the Lord. Talking, talking, talking. But something that is so contradictory is it's not lived out in their own life. But they have a great grasp on what needs to be done. They just lack an application. I'm telling you. They, they can quote the scriptures. They can tell me exactly what's needful and necessary. But the practice of it is, is lacking in their own life. 
And so I think with great purpose, Mark says, we, we love God with our heart and our mind and our soul and with our strength. Because if we can fill all of these uh, different areas of our life with a love for God, then perhaps we'll leave room for no other place of worship of anything else or love for anything else but God. Amen. <laughs> there are many things that will try to vie for our attention. But we need to give it to the Lord. Let's go on just a little bit this morning. Look, 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 at the, uh, look at Matthew chapter 22 and verse 35. Now, I'll be mindful. I'll keep my eye here on the time. Matthew 22 and verse 35. The Bible states these words. <clears throat> then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Here it is, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Listen. Worship and love go hand in hand. Worship and love go hand in hand um, matter of fact I don't think it's, it's for sure purely possible to worship a God without loving the object of your worship worship and love are almost like Siamese twins folks they, they are just they are there you, you have such a deep uh, through worship you have such a deep uh, reverence and adoration for whatever the object of your worship is but again I think it's really impossible to worship without love and the reciprocal of that I believe is quite the same it's impossible to love without a certain degree of worship amen amen and so if we love the Lord with all of our heart mind soul and strength then we will worship we will worship the Lord. We will worship the Lord because we will find ourselves responding in worship to the object of our love. And here's the reason why I say that. Note, whatever Christ was asked concerning which is the great commandments in all these things, the first one that he led with was that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, that you should love the Lord your God. Now, whenever they're referring to the commandments, there are like 613 commandments uh, throughout the Old Testament. One's mind might even go more so to the Ten Commandments. But even if we look at the Ten Commandments, no, there is nothing, there, there is nothing per se in there that comes out in Exodus 20, just right out and say, love God. All right? In Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments, there's nothing that just comes right out and says, love God. But if you start reading the first of the commands in Exodus 20, it's thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. Look, there is nothing there that's just coming out and saying you should love the Lord. But what is coming out there is this. You shouldn't worship anything else. Christ is drawing something here. He, he says, based upon all the laws and everything, and based upon loving the Lord and loving your neighbors, yourself. Well, even the Ten Commandments don't have anything in there. It just says love God. No, but it does have something in there about worship. 
Someone hear me about worship. Said you shouldn't worship these other things. Why? Why then, Lord? Because the Lord was already making a, a deducing, if you will, that love and worship are very tightly framed together. Very tightly framed together. That whatever you worship is that, that is which you love. And whatever you love, that is what you worship. And so he brings those two things together. And so if we are a part of the party of just being a bunch of self-love people, we worship ourselves. Now nobody, nobody is going to, nobody is going to do just a blatant outright tweet. I love myself or I worship myself on a daily basis. But listen, they don't have to. enough other indications that point to what the object of their affection is and it's themselves someone say amen because I've oftentimes said you just follow the trail of their sacrifices huh? sacrifices if you was going to worship in the Old Testament it was necessitated for sacrifice you had to sacrifice you follow the line of their sacrifice and I'll follow, you'll, you'll see then the placement of their God the placement of their God will lead wherever their sacrifices go no no you're not getting it whenever you'll sacrifice for something that's the thing you love and worship yes yes there's people today that they'll Help me. And again, don't just misconstrue everything I'm saying here. I'm a balanced person, I think, by and large. But don't misconstrue everything I'm saying. There's people today, they'll do certain things for themselves. How so? They'll do it through diet. They'll go to a great degree and sacrifice and certain things like that because themselves. Uh-huh. They'll expend certain amounts of money. Yeah. Not every plastic surgery is necessary. I told you this before. We was over in a church whenever we were evangelizing that the, there was a lady there in the church that had a, geist, a gastric bypass done. Justifiable gastric bypass. A spirit of that. Listen to me. I'm telling you today. A spirit of that got into the church that there because you had to be in, within a certain weight classification in order to be a candidate for that for many insurances. There were women then that were eating to meet the classification of the weight class in order then to have it there were seven women at the time we were there that were pending for gastric bypass who did not need it formally but had decided I'm going to I'm going to if she's going to get small and here she was justifiable I'm going to do it too but I'm going to have to make myself get big before I now you're looking at me and saying that's a but no surely not yeah but you know what we do some very similar things in the house of God too we'll sacrifice money for things and whatever you sacrifice money for that will be your God that's what your worship we'll sacrifice time for things that really don't mean anything concerning the kingdom of God but if you sacrifice your time for it that is your God that is what you worship you'll, you'll sacrifice even some of your family over certain things You'll sacrifice your family over being right. But whenever it comes to them toe-to-toe -to -toe concerning your standing God, you'll give in. Follow the line of sacrifice and you'll see what a person's God is. Amen. Man, could you believe a bad spirit of gastric bypass get in a church? Lord, I'd be slapping the oil out and laying hands on people. I'm telling you right now. God, help them. I pray them get so overweight they couldn't even get back and have surgery. You better watch it. My God, could you imagine? Whew, unbelievable. 
And so for this reason, he says, on these two, on these two, love God because love and worship. Notice what he said in the Song of Solomon. He said, many waters cannot quench. Huh? Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown. Of everything that God could have said that he was. And he, he spoke about several different things. He could have said, I am the force of the universe. Or I am the this and that. One thing that he made plain, particularly in the New Testament. And particularly in like 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He constantly spoke that God is love. I think the reason why. Because love is, many waters cannot quench love. It is a force to be reckoned with. The floods cannot drown a true love of God. And listen, again. Think of how foolish this is. I brought this up uh, one time, and then I turn our attention to that again. And if you want to read about it, it, it it's, and just follow it, it's in Isaiah 44, if you want to read about it. Again, the futility of, of having our idols so futile that this man, the Bible speaks of, he cut down the tree, he cut down the tree, he burned part of it for firewood. Uh, the rest he used to warm himself by and put his meal over top of to roast his dinner and then the remainder that was left, he made him a god out of. That is one of the most bizarre things in Scripture uh, that I have ever read of Isaiah 44. Look how, look how futile your idol god is that he would make a god out of, out, of, out of wood that he would serve, bow down to, give allegiance and sacrifice to. He, he would bow down to the very same thing that he used to cook his meal that's going to become ash, huh? That, 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 he, would, that he would keep himself warm by. Oh, it's just, just out, outrageous that an individual would do that. But again, we do some of the very same things. And here's the thing I think that happens with us. People like something they can see. Like something they see. A lot of people like something they can feel. The psalmist said this in Psalms 135 and verse 15. He said, the idols of the heathen are silver and gold. The work of men's hands. They have mouths. Now notice here. They are worshiping something that's the work of their own hands. Do you see how easily then this can be transferred to that particular thing being an idol to self becoming an idol because I made that? Huh? They, 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 the, the idols of the heathen are silver and gold. The works of men's hands, they have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. See, they'd have an idol that had, they could see a literal hand or a literal mouth or literal eyes. And maybe they had a, a, a tendency toward that because they could see it. They could put their hand on it. But the reality of the fact is they had all these different appendages, but none of them functioned. But see, here is the, the, the side note then concerning our God. God is a spirit. You read in Scripture about the eyes of God, the hand of God, the finger of God. But God as a spirit has none of those things. Those are just terminology that you and I can relate to. If you talk about the hand of God, we can relate to that because we know what a hand is. Or the eyes of the Lord, we can relate to that. But God as a spirit, being a spirit, has none of those. Except when he was the man Christ Jesus walking among us. All right? But here's the thing. Their gods have all these things, but they can't function. You hearing me? But our God has none of these anatomical things, but functions as though he does. Because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro over all the earth. The Bible talks us about he will come with his mighty arm of strength. Amen. All these different things that they need to see, 
amen, to be able to have any type of confidence in. I don't see it, amen, but it does not diminish its ability in my life. Is someone understanding what I'm saying? God's invisibility does not diminish his ability in our lives. And to say that I've never felt him would be, I've never felt an anatomical God, but I have felt God. My spirit is bore witness with that spirit. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. Now, serving the Lord, I don't want you to get confused because some people serve the Lord not out of love. Some people serve the Lord out of fear. And that's a miserable way to try to serve the Lord. That's an unhealthy way to try to serve the Lord. And the fact of the matter is, that will only last for so long. Some people then, on another, on another note, try to serve the Lord out of a sense of obligation. Feel as though they're obligated obligated to serve the Lord out of a sense of obligation and that also is a very poor motivation for serving the Lord because somewhere along the line the steam of all that is going to run out and that's the reason why the writer tells us that we must serve the Lord out of love that, 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 listen again obligation is just a poor sense look, look at it in Malachi Malachi 1 and verse number 13 let me just read this this, this is just a very poor motivation for serving the Lord, serving him strictly out of obligation. Malachi chapter number 1 and verse number 13. And I see that I need to be hastening here probably to a close here soon. Amen. Malachi 1 and verse number 13. I'm getting to Malachi, sorry. The Bible states these words. Ye said also, look at the, look at the phraseology here. Behold what a weariness it is. You see that? Right. Whoa, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye have brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. And thus ye brought an offering, should I accept this of your hands, saith the Lord. He said, he said, see, this is where your sense of obligation has lost steam. He's talking about real sacrifices, lamb or whatever was needed course it was to be without blemish and it wasn't to be lame and it wasn't to be torn and all these things he says this is where your sense of obligation your sense of obligation has lost steam used to you would just you were bringing things evidently of obligation you're saying now boy this is such a hardship do I really got to you heard that you hear that got to you hear that got to stuff that's people serving the Lord out of obligation Parents that tell their children, come on, get ready. We got to go to church. <laughs> oh, God. Come on, they're closing the service. We got to go to the altar. Honey, get the envelope and let's see. We need to, we need to put in our offering and see if we can write a tie check because we got to. The got to mentality is your obligation way of serving the Lord. That will only last for so long. 
You might do real good in the beginning because you feel like you got to go to church and you got to give your offering and you got to pray and you got to fast. You'll go real good maybe to begin with, but steam we're going to run out somewhere along the way. The life that you live whenever you're in love with God. You hear me? Whenever, whenever, listen, Dave, folks. I married my wife. I loved her now going on 19 years ago in November. I, well, I've been married to my wife. Her, she and my daughter was gone uh, uh, Friday night and Saturday. They ran to Newcastle, came back. They've been gone to Newcastle and came back. And so while she was gone, there were a few things that needed to be done around the house, amen, that I could see plainly that needed to be done. And I did a few loads of laundry. I did a few, dish, I did a few uh, uh, dishes in the sink, did some of that too. Whenever I did that, I did not look at my son Trevor and say, Trevor, let's do this stuff because we got to get this laundry done and we got to get these dishes done or your mom's not going to think too kindly of us no 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 know I did all those things I did all those things because I'm in a relationship with that woman I love her I adore her and what that means is this I was just doing it because of the relationship that I'm in with her and so whenever I come to church I don't got to come to church I want to come to church I don't got to go to the altar or I got to go to the prayer room before church and prayer I got to give my tithes and my offering no 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 you got it all wrong that's an obligation that's an obligation type of relationship with the Lord if that's the way you think but if you think you know what I love love God I love him I appreciate him I'm going to go to the house of God I love the Lord I appreciate him everything I have he gave to me anyway so I'm going to return a portion of him I love the Lord I'm, I'm going to take a little time and communicate with him through prayer that's a relationship based on love stand with me and we'll close I just don't feel like that, Brother McGee. Well, here we go. Got a nice little scriptural solution for you. Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. I'm not, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, that's great. You might need to get renewed in the Holy Ghost. Well, no help in Zion today, is it? I don't feel that way about going to church. I don't feel that way about prayer. I don't feel that way about fasting. Let me tell you, there's some days I don't feel that way either. But you know what it just comes down to? A little proven time. Or the pastor needs to happen. I just need to get refreshed in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. What? Yeah. Welcome. Listen, you are looking at flesh and blood here. If you think that I just walk in high cotton and never have any struggles like you have struggles, never have any pains like you have pains, you are smoking something. Because there's days that I hurt when I get up. There's days when I'm sick of my body and I preach behind the pulpit. When it, last week and whenever I left, I was sick. I preached about three or four services sick, having run to the bathroom before I ever went to the pulpit. But you know what? There was, a, there was something that needed to be done. God had called me for an appointed time for that place and I needed to do the work of the Lord. And I, you know what? I wasn't called saying, sorry, can't come. I just went and did it. So welcome to the club. But you know what? Love love will cause you to do things that inconvenience you 
And so, how do we how do we survive during times when it's the selfie age and it's all about self? Don't be pulled into the spirit of the age. Don't be pulled into the spirit of the time. Please do not adopt the idea, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, there's a whole lot of other things you'll do too if that's the, if that's the mode and theme of life you're going to carry. I mean, you can open up a whole can of worms with that one. But he hasn't called us to be like everybody else. He said, I've taken a nation, I've taken Israel, I've set them apart, distinguished them, make them separate. So likewise, he has done his church in this hour what that means is denying self they pick our cross follow him won't lead us astray we enclose our eyes in this place this morning father i come thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day